Oh, let's lift our hands all over this sanctuary. Come on, let's give him great praise. Great praise. You're not alone today. You never were alone. We give you praise and glory. Praise and glory. Praise and glory. Praise and glory. Well, I didn't really see this day 25 years ago. But in my imagination, there was really only four people that I wanted to be here after 25 years, and they're all here today. That's my beautiful wife, my son, Zachary, and my daughter, Ari. But God went way beyond my imagination. He gave me a great son-in-law and a wonderful daughter-in-law. Three beautiful grandchildren and another grandson on the way. Praise God. Praise God. But there's one person I want to honor right now. Just, that's you, baby. Never complained when the cupboards were bare. Never thought of quitting. Never talked about leaving. Never complained. You were right there. I love you. You're the best. just lift our hands and praise him again. The message I have for church builders, church starters, or those that just want to Make a difference. If God did it here, He can do it anywhere. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We are so humbled and honored to have each and every one of you here today to celebrate this with us. And uh, looking across 
this audience is just, if I get started, I'm just going to forget somebody, and I don't want to do that. But there's just so many. Just so many. Praise God. We had um, a lot of great revivals. We didn't, we didn't have an evangelist in that first, that our very first facility. I was the only evangelist they ever knew. But when we got that storefront on Sprague Avenue, we brought in, when we could afford it, we brought in evangelists. Some of our very first speakers were Brother Paul Bertram, preached a revival here. Brother Miles Young was one of our very first speakers. Brother Donald Lance was one of our first speakers. But our very first evangelist was Brother Darren Sargent. And uh, yes. Yes. Now, not only was Brother Sargent a phenomenal preacher, but he operated on peanuts. Because that's just about all we had to give. But we gave him the best that we could give him, and we're lifelong friends. Brother Darren Sargent, I want you to come and preach like Brother Darren Sargent. Let's put our hands together under the Lord as the man of God comes. Oh, let's give God some praise in the house. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God some thanks and some praise for all he's done. God, I glorify you. I honor you. I worship you. Hallelujah. My, what a beautiful, beautiful atmosphere. Why don't you be seated for a moment? I know you've been standing. I want to, first of all, commend this church for honoring your pastor and his wife and family. You never, ever lose by honoring the man of God in your life. Amen. Something important about that. What a, uh, my mind, Pastor and Sister Mayo, my mind is flooded with memories, and if I get started, we could be in trouble. But they may have been peanuts that we had back then, but they were honey-roasted peanuts. Good peanuts. And um, I, I used to, I used to kid with Brother and Sister Mayo. I'd say I think the only reason that you guys bring me over here is for comedic relief and uh, just to laugh a little bit. We we did quite a bit of that, but man, we had some good church. We had some good church, and uh, those were formative years. I am honored to be here today. I slipped in a couple days early and spent time with my mom and dad, and uh, I honor I honor them today, two of the greatest people on the planet, and uh, I am blessed to be their son. <clears throat> now, I know I know my brother Dalen's here, and this this you know it just has to be said, Bishop Wilson. If you will look back, it's been a while now, but if you'll look back on my mom's Instagram post, there is a post that says I'm her favorite child. 
and it has a picture of me, and I remind my brothers of that often. And uh, but I I love my brothers. It's good to be spend some time with Dale and Javon. Proud of you, Dale. And Derek wasn't able to be here. He's been on a work trip. He's preaching someplace, but he was adopted anyway, so we don't care. So, as Pastor Mayo said, there's so many here today that we could give honor to, and I, I give honor to all those that have come to celebrate with this fine church, fine family, but I, I do want to take a moment. There are already one mentioned here, but there's another man here that has made such a dramatic impact in my life, and uh, that is Bishop Sister Wilson. I honor you. I honor you. There are those people in life that have a multi-generational anointing. They really do. And Brother and Sister Wilson are those types of people. They impacted my life at a young age, and now my son is there at the Rock Church, and, and uh, they're doing their best to get him prayed through. I'm not sure it's happened yet, but we're getting there. But I, I honor you, and I thank you for your influence and impact in my life. Now, I know I'm the only thing standing between a very good and expensive banquet. Okay, good. Then I'm going to preach for two hours. Amen. Praise God. I won't. You know I won't. You know I won't. Uh, Brother Elder, Sister Elder, so good to see you. Love you. Appreciate you. Brother Woodson, so good to see you. And uh, many others, the Barnetts. If I get going, I'll be in trouble. Amen. There were two kids when we used to, they were our entertainment. Who needs television? When you had Zach and Ari. Sister Mayo, is that the truth? Pastor Mayo would put them up on the mantle, and they had songs and rap. I think, I think they sing rap songs even. I'm not real sure about it. But uh, Zach Attack, and Ari, I honor both of you very, very much. I'm proud of you, Ari and Zach. You ought to love your preacher's kids. These are good kids. Good kids. Now, I know I'm taking a moment, but, you know, since we've got a couple hours. Now, you're having a son, right? Have you considered the name Darren? On the list? Thank you. At least I made the list. Amen. I think we ought to get into the Word of the Lord today. Amen? Praise God. If you have your Bible, stand with me, 2 Samuel 23, and then we will be going to Matthew 13, 2 Samuel 23, verse number 8. And it says this, these are the names of David's mighty men. Joshep, Bashabeth, a Tekamite, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodo the Ahoite, as one of the three mighty men. He was with David when they taunted the Philistines, gathered at Pasdamim for battle. Then the men of Israel retreated. But he stood his ground, struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired, froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. Next to him was Shammah, son of Agi the Herite, when the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils. 
Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah stood and took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it, struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. Matthew 13, verse 44, again, the kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. With the help of the Lord, for a few moments this afternoon, I simply want to preach the value of my field, the value of my field. Can we clap our hands to the Lord, give him some thanks in the house one more time. God, we love you, we praise you, we magnify you. Great is your name and greatly to be praised. Have your way in the next few moments, God. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. It was during the height of the Second World War. In fact, it was, has been considered a major turning point in an already brutal conflict. Germany's massive war machine was setting its sights on the United Kingdom. And under the direction of their Luftwaite Air Command, they intended to totally annihilate or at least bring Britain to a place of surrender. However, what they did not truly take into account was Britain's Royal Air Force. Under the direction of Air Chief Marshal Hugh Dowding, the Royal Air Force at first appearances did not seem as equipped or trained as did the Germans' Air Force. In fact, the German commander believed that the Royal Air Force could be swept from the skies in just four short days. Now, what is interesting to me was that the Royal Air Force consisted of young, ragtag, ill-equipped pilots who really didn't seem to have a whole lot to offer, but even though they were fewer in number and even though they lacked inferior training and even though they had lacked the planes that the German pilots employed, the Royal Air Force held back the German onslaught. And in just a few short months... During the summer of 1940, history tells us that they turned the tide of the war in what has now become known as the Battle of Britain. And while the battle raged, and while Hitler sent his air command to destroy Britain, Winston Churchill, in his address to the House of Commons during the height of the skirmish, stated, never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so few. What Hitler was not expecting and more than likely could never have known was the passion and the commitment that these few ragtag, young, undertrained Royal Air Force pilots, pilots possessed as they pushed back the onslaught of a much superior air command. It was a major victory for Great Britain and it was a major turning point in World War II. It has always been, and it will always be throughout history and Scripture, that God has never required a majority to accomplish His purpose. The Apostle Paul does his best to expound upon this concept when he begins a discourse concerning the weakness of man versus the power of God. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, we discover that God chooses the foolish 
things of the world to confound the mighty. He chooses the base things, the common things, uh, things that are overlooked and despised to bring about uh, his purpose upon this planet. Paul proves the guarantee of God that we so often misunderstand and we never really comprehend. We have to just surrender to the sovereignty of God and realize that his ways are above our ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts. But if you'll spend any time at all in God's word, you will quickly discover that God used ordinary people who stood up against insurmountable odds uh, and overcame uh, because they chose to stand in the gap and be the man or the woman that God uh, needed for their generation. Can I preach to somebody today? It doesn't matter what your pedigree is. It doesn't matter if you came from the White House or a crack house. All you need is a purpose and a passion and an anointing and God will do the rest. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11 invites us to meander through the hallways of the faithful as we encounter one lone person after another that rose to the challenge of their generation and they brought about needed victory in spite of what others were doing around them or what the climate in the culture appeared to be. God has always been comfortable pulling from the canvas of the common, those insignificant, insufficient, unqualified men and women to make a difference in the world. God has never needed uh, and God will never need a majority uh, to accomplish what he wants to get done. Uh, He's never required the mighty. Uh, He's not looking for the brave or the elite. Uh, Amen. He's totally content pulling uh, from common places uh, and using common people. That ought to make somebody slap happy on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, I once uh, was lost uh, but he found me uh, and did something with Now, your pastor texted me this morning. Don't just have cadets here. They run. I'm just going to be me, okay? I'm just going to preach. It's interesting to me that if you take a moment and examine different individuals within Scripture, There's one lone, insignificant shepherd boy that seems to rise to the top. We know him as David. David was plucked from the field of tending his father's sheep. He was instantly placed in the front of a national spotlight facing off against Goliath the giant. An entire nation was waiting for somebody. They were waiting with bated breath for somebody who would lead them to greatness. From the moment Goliath fell, Till David took his final dying gasp of air. We see a man that the Bible says served his generation. He restored a nation. In fact, it was said that under the leadership of David, the territory of Israel expanded some ten times. Uh, He conquered. Uh, He placed Zion on the map. Uh, He restored national pride and an honor and a patriotism into the hearts uh, of ordinary individuals of Israel uh, that was unrivaled by any nation in the world during that time. They rose up because there was a man that believed in them. They rose up uh, because there was a man that said... 
it's time to get something done. They rose up because there was a man that had a purpose and a passion. I don't know what age he got it, but it had to be young. Something began to burn in his heart. I'm going to serve my generation. Now, how was David able to take the common run-of-the-mill Israelite and turn them into ambassadors of the Almighty? I'm going to tell you how he did it. David decided, while I'm here, while I'm breathing, while it's my time, while it's on my watch, I am going to serve my generation. When David found himself hounded by Saul, who was attempting to put an end to the threat of David becoming the next monarch, we see a very unique thing begin to unfold. Men who had found themselves distressed, discontented, and in debt made their way to the cave of a giant killer who had a passion to serve his generation. Men who the Bible said had been cut off from family, men that had been ridiculed by neighbors, men that had been pushed to the side, journeyed to the cave of a king in the making, and began to be fashioned into what the Bible calls the mighty men of David. From that encounter, we discover these mighty men being formed and literally changing the course of history for their entire nation. They saved the nation from becoming as the nations around them. And time after time after time after time, one of these once mediocre misfits of society would rise up in the face of insurmountable odds and secure victory for the people of God. Time does not permit me today to discuss the mighty men of David in depth as I would like. Uh, but allow me a few moments just to dissect a couple of them that I think are very beneficial for our time today. These were ordinary men. We think of them as superheroes, but they were not. They were ordinary men, amen, that just uh, wanted to see their life changed. One, one of them was a man by the name of Benaiah. The Bible tells us that he came across a lion that goes down into a pit on a snowy day. And it goes on to tell us that this man, Benaiah, makes a decision to go down into a pit with a lion on a snowy day and deal with it. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I think of myself as a man's man. I'll tangle with anybody. You push me, I'll, I got a club right here. Anybody ever been hit by the stub? You know what I'm talking about. I was raised by a man's man, okay? My dad's a man's man. I don't mess with him to this day. He chopped my arm off once. I don't want it to happen again. Brother Anderson, if I would have came across, is that Brother Tim King? Sister Kirsten, God bless you. Good to see you. If, if I would have come across the lion, across my path, and that lion looked at me and turned the other way because I'm such a man's man. And gone down into a pit, Bishop, I'd have said, whew, glory to God, I can keep my other hand. I'm out of there, Jack. I'm turning. I'm running. But not Benaiah. Benaiah is a little touched up here because he goes down under the surface. And he deals with with an enemy. The footing's not secure. 
The conditions aren't right. But Benaiah understood, if I don't get down underneath the surface uh, and I don't take care of this issue, there may be a day this thing's going to come up out of here and take someone out that's precious to me. So he chose to dive down into the domain of darkness uh, and deal with the potential threat. This gets me, this commitment to get down into that pit in the enemy's domain during an inopportune season. It gets me, and i got to stop for a moment. Uh, Some of you sitting here today, you better recognize uh, God is asking you to take care of some things uh, that are under the surface, uh, things that nobody sees, uh, things that could come out one day and destroy the next generation. You better get down, uh, dive down into the domain of darkness. Uh, You never know what did it will happen dealing with something that nobody sees. You never know what getting down under the surface will do for the future of your family. You never know what getting down under the surface will do for your ministry. You never know what you are destroying that may one day rise up and take out your children. Daddy, you better get it taken care of. Mama, you better get it taken care of while it's beneath the surface. You never know. You never know what diving into the domain of darkness and defeating the spirit while it's below the surface is going to do to bring about victory in the lives of your family. The commitment that your pastor and his wife made to dive down under the surface in a season when it was just an office building, in seasons where no one appeared to be listening, in seasons that they couldn't afford a full evangelist and brought one in with one hand. Amen. You know what they were doing? They were getting down under the surface. They were digging something out that can only come by a battle. Can I preach to some 20-year-olds? You better take care of some things uh, so they don't come back and haunt you in your 40s. Uh, Can I talk to a parent? Uh, You better get down underneath there and wrestle while you can wrestle because you never know uh, that one day that beast uh, may come up out of there uh, and destroy you uh, and everyone around you. When you came here, there wasn't a whole lot to offer. You, you weren't handed anything. I know that because I was here. You weren't handed anything great. You didn't have this. This wasn't even on the radar, so to speak. But he got down. Sister Mayo got down underneath the surface, started wrestling with some devils and some demons. No one else could see. But I'm going to tell you what happened. You happened. Now you're on a pew. Now there's victory in the heavenlies because a man and a woman chose to dive down. I can't stop. I got to get this out of my spirit. I refuse to stand on the sidelines when it doesn't matter if anybody sees me or not. There's been times I had to crawl in a closet. I had to stay in an altar. I had to push the food away. What? What are you doing? I'm trying to defeat some things uh, that no one knows is even there. Somebody shout yes. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. 
Thank you, Pastor Mayo. Thank you, Sister Mayo, for getting down there. You didn't get any accolades. You didn't get any attaboys. No one saw what you were doing in the midnight hour. Thank you, Bishop Wilson, for crawling down. Thank you, Harold Sargent and Judy Sargent, for crawling down under the surface in my teen years when no one saw what they were doing, but they were making sure. I'm not going to let this beast get my kids. Hallelujah. Another mighty man comes to mind that we read about this morning. His name was Shama. Another misfit turned mighty who stations himself in the middle of a field of beans and defends it, kills the Philistines all by his lonesome. The Bible says that the Lord brought about a great victory that day. Here's a once derelict, disdained, and disowned misfit, planting his feet firmly in the ground, willing to give his life for something he loves so dearly. I, I got to stop here also and try to impart this burden. We are, we're not given much information about this field. It's not much told to us. We really don't know who owned it or took care of it. We, we assume it belonged to Shama just because of the action that he took on this day when the enemy was trying to take this small little patch of beans. But what we do know is that this field apparently meant something to Shama. Can I just make a statement here? You won't stand up for anything if it doesn't mean something to you. When I look at this story that is so seemingly insignificant when it comes to the grand scale of God's history, but yet it is so powerful in its application to us today, I see a man that made a decision to do something even when others had chosen not to. What the field represented was more important than just the beans in the field. Hear me for just a second. No doubt beans were important, but if there was a skirmish in a bean field, those beans were destroyed. It wasn't the beans that Shama was interested in. He could replace and plant again trampled beans, but he couldn't replace a captured field. Every man, every woman, every boy and girl that is under the sound of my voice this afternoon, uh, you have been given a field in this life. Uh, every parent that's listening to me today, you have been given a field. Uh, it's a place of responsibility that has expanded with time. Uh, it's now more valuable uh, with your children by your side than it was with just you uh, and your wife standing there. Uh, it now holds some importance. Uh, it's expanded. Uh, it's more broad. Uh, there's more impact. It's more valuable. It's more important now than it was in your teens or your 20s. We better value the field that God gives us. We better not for one moment take it for granted. There's value in my field. You know, we, we, are, living, we are living in an hour. When the enemy is doing his dead level best to steal ground from God's people. As the Philistines were in the days of David and his mighty men, so they are in today's modern age. They're still around. They're, they're still doing their best to take what God's given to every single one of us that are in this house today. Now, there, in my opinion, and you got Dr. Wilson here. I have two of my instructors here today. Dr. Wilson, past instructors. I was more nervous. Brother Elder, I love you. Your class, 
It was a joke. But Brother Wilson, you scared me to ever live in death. I thought, I can't write anything and send it off to Bishop Wilson. He's going to put it on his dartboard. Throw darts at it. Two of my instructors are here today, so and I've already graduated, so I can say whatever I want. You already gave me your A, thank you. I may have got an A minus, but thank you. There seemingly are two forces at work in the world today that God has planted. And the enemy would love to destroy them and rip them from the landscape of society. And those two forces, in my opinion, and the doctor can take care of this, straighten it out tomorrow. I've got to fly home tonight so he can deal with it. The two forces are simply the family and the church. God's placed the family and the church in society. And he uses these two fields to reveal his redemptive power in the world. Allow me a moment here just to establish a baseline. The enemy sees the influence and impact that the church and the home can have on society today. So you know what he does? He fights it. The church and the family are at a crossroad in today's history. It appears we have arrived at a potentially defining moment in society in which the church is losing its influence and the home is losing its heart. These fields still matter. I'm going to preach this. We're not eating till four, so let me get it out of me. These fields still matter. They're still important. They still have value. No matter what they're teaching in the universities, no matter what they're trying to pump through the various streams of media, amen, these fields still matter. Amen, as for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. The family is important. The church is important. The family is important. The church is important. You better understand the value of these fields called the church. And you better understand the value of this field called the family. Don't Flip your nose at the church and say, ah, it doesn't matter. No, it matters. It's important. Shama, what are you doing? Everyone has run away. Why are you standing there willing to lose your life for a patch of beans? I'm going to tell you why. It means something to me. I want to speak to every parent in this house. It's your job. It's your God-given privilege to take care of the enemy that tries to take your field back. Hello? I want to talk to every foundational saint of Cornerstone Church. It's your job to make sure this church has revival. Don't put all the pressure on the man and the woman of God in your life. Get behind them. Hold up their arms. Amen. Be an Aaron and an Ur that stand there saying, come on, preacher. Preach me into that altar. Preach my family into heaven. Amen. This is important. You better not for one moment think it doesn't matter. It's so vital to success. Everybody's running away. Shama's standing there. This is valuable territory. I'm getting close, I promise. I'm going to bring this home to roost in just a moment. There's some fields that are worth defending. I'm reminded of Naboth. Naboth 
you can sell your field to Ahab and Jezebel for more. You can get a better-looking field and a better vineyard. probably produces more than what you're producing in your little puny field. They're offering you a lot of money for it, Naboth. Actually, they're offering you more than market value. Plus, they'll give you another field that's similar across town. You don't understand. This is the field my daddy handed me. My mama raised me in this field. My granddaddy planted this field. You think I'm going to sell out because it is more money in my pocket? You think I'm going to head off over there and get a better job when there's not a church anywhere near there? You think for one moment I'm going to sacrifice the eternal destiny of my children for the almighty dollar and getting ahead in life. I know we got to live. I understand all that. But honey, uh, thank God there's a field uh, that has been cultivated. I still believe some fields that are worth defending. What's in your field? There's a husband. There's a wife in your field. Men, husbands, you better build them up. She's in your field. Reverence him. Sister, respect him. He's in your field. There's kids in my field. I'm to protect them. I'm to guide them. It's okay. I know this is unpopular in today's culture, but it's still okay to tell your kids no. I got to take care of the field. Yeah, but come on, Dad. Boy, you're sounding old-fashioned. I turned 50 two weeks ago. I can say whatever I want to now, Bishop, can I? Can I say whatever? 50, is that the age? Or do I need to wait till 60? I am so sick and tired of parents pampering their kids. Oh, little Johnny, little. You know, little Johnny's a brat. Little Johnny probably needs a spanking. Did I say that in a public setting? Please forgive me. In my house, Bishop... Dad, on top, Mom, you know what I'm about ready to say. On top of the refrigerator that we couldn't get to because we weren't tall back then was a board. And inscribed on the board was FBI. I never knew what FBI meant except for Dad told me later, Father's Board of Instruction. My dad's the original member along with Hoover. Of FBI, the Mueller, the sergeant report, excuse me. There are times, I know I got weapons for things I didn't do. Dalen did them. I know I did, Brother Ryan. I know I did. I'm, I'm still bare the marks in my body. But I thank God that there was a dad and a mom willing to say, we're going to take care of this field because we want some fruit to come out of this field. You better thank God every time your pastor gets up here and says, no, amen, we're going to have revival. No, we're not allowing that. No, we're going to worship. No, we're going to praise God. I don't care. There's value in the field. Okay, can I have a few more minutes? 
I got to go back for just a moment and bring about a point that needs to be addressed. When Shammah stood his ground and protected that field, he did so by standing in the middle of the field. He didn't stand on the edge. He got smack dab in the middle and said, come on, bring it on. You want some of this? I'm right in the middle. I'm not over here hiding behind the stuff. I'm not over here in the corner. I'm right smack dab. When it's time to worship, I'm in the middle. When it's time to pray, I'm in the middle. When it's time to give, I'm in the middle. When it's time for revival, I'm in the middle. He stood his ground in the center of the struggle and fought. Mom and dad get in the middle. Hey, man, we are living in an age when everybody wants to live on the edge. How close I can get to the edge. I can still see the church, but whoo, I can see Sodom and Gomorrah. You live on the edge, eventually you're going to go the direction that looks more pleasing to you from the edge. Hello? Get in the middle of it. We got to defend and tend and cultivate this field. And when you do, God will wrought a mighty victory. I still believe if you stand for something, God will bring about the miracle in your family. God will bring about the miracle in your church. God will bring about the miracle in your life. I've lived by this principle because it was taught to me. Amen. My wife lives by this principle. That's what we do. I'm going to invest in those things that will outlive me. I'm going to get in the middle of it and protect it and guard it and watch over it and fight for it. And God will bring about the needed victory. All right. I'm getting done. I'm getting done. God is still looking for people that will stand in the middle. Get away from the edge. Step out in the middle and fight. Go after it. Why? Because the field is valuable. There's value in my field. Stand with me for just a moment. Having been involved in Cornerstone somewhat since its inception, Pastor and Sister Mayo saw value in this field. It didn't look like much. You're in the backside of a vet clinic. Starting out. Think about that. Up, were you upstairs on it? I didn't go to that one. You took me there a couple times in our Koji Road Hunter trips, but <laughs> I won't go there. Koji Road Hunter. It didn't look like a whole lot, but you saw the value of Spokane in the field. You took your family and together you came. Those early days there was nothing here but there was a field. A field where these two decided you know what, I think there's some value there. And look around. Look around everybody. Look around. 
Look around. I think they were right. They were right. Two people, the musicians come, were willing to get down under the surface during the midnight hour, take on spirits no one else could see, stood their ground and decided this is worth defending and fighting for. I commend you, brother and sister man. I honor you. I know there's been difficult times. I know there's been a lot of sweat, blood, and tears. But now, look at this field. Look at it. This fruit. You worked it. It appeared to be barren to others. There were those that wanted you to run away. It's not worth the effort. Those that were possessive. Those that didn't see what you and your wife saw. But God put a passion in the heart of a man and a woman of God to stand their ground in a field and work it, cry over it, weep over it. In our families, there's been times when the enemy would fight, and I knew he was coming after my kids. And I remember nights that I'd slip down to the kitchen. I'd grab some oil, go to sleep. And it seems silly to some because they don't understand the value. I'd get oil on my fingers. I'd anoint the door of their room. Not today, Daddy. No. Carson's too valuable. Ashton's too valuable. Avery's too valuable. How many times did this dear man and woman of God do that in the spirit? No. I know what the devil's trying to do. But there's valuable soil here. And there's fruit that's going to come out of our labor. And people are going to grow and families are going to be strengthened and marriages are going to come together and children are going to get the Holy Ghost and and people are going to be blessed by the gifts and the talent. Why? Because someone was willing to value the field. The last text we read this afternoon is the parable of the treasure in the field. The Bible says the man discovers it. I don't know how he discovered it. It wasn't his field. Maybe he was taking a shortcut. I don't know. But he found a treasure in the middle of a field. And the Bible says he sells everything he has to purchase that field. But the thing that gets to me is that there wasn't just a treasure in the field. There was a lot of mess in the field. There were weeds and thistles and rocks and dirt. There's a lot of, lot of mess that happens when you step into the middle to fight for what you've got. 
But he saw the value in the middle of that field, and he sold everything. Sure, he got dirt clods. Sure, he got weeds and thistles that he had to work to get out of the way. But the the treasure was there. And God desires for each of us to understand that in this city, in this church, there is a revival unlike any that has ever been seen before in this part of the country. And it's time to step into the middle and fight because God has a treasure in this city. He has something for you that he wants you to do in this city. God desires you to experience deliverance and blessing and healing and salvation in the field. I know there's a lot of mess, but hear me. The treasure is always greater than the trouble. Fight for it because the treasure is always greater than the trouble. The treasure is more valuable than the pain. The treasure is more valuable than the nights you can't sleep. The treasure is more valuable than fighting for holiness and godliness and revival. Stand your ground, Dad. There's value in the field. Stand your ground, Mama. There's value in the field. Since such a beautiful presence of the Lord here today, before we take another step, can we just all lift our hands all over the sanctuary? Thank God for His presence that's here. Thank you, Lord, for the value of our fields. I, I want to do something today. I, if this is okay with Pastor, I want all the family members of Cornerstone. I know we got a lot of guests here. I'll welcome you here in a moment. But I just want the families of Cornerstone. Get your kids. If they're not sitting with you, go find mom and dad. Get down in here in the family units all across the front of this sanctuary today. Bring your kids. Bring your wife. Even if she's mad at you, bring her. We'll pray her through this morning. If you don't have a family, someone will adopt you, I promise you. Let's come down. Brother Mayo, look at the value in this field. Because you chose to fight for it. Sometimes you had to fight Zach and Ari, but you fought for it. How are you doing? Good. Who's your daddy? Really? Sure. How you doing, bud? This is unbelievable, Ari. Look, remember? Remember those days? Zarconiac. We had some times. But the value. I look at this. I look at all these families represented. Thank you. Stand in your ground. Thank you for getting that field and say, uh, we're going to have apostolic revival. Now, I know you had been taught right. Brother Bishop would have come up here and probably cut your arm off. Maybe. I don't know. But you knew standing here, fighting for it, was worth it. My grandfather came to the Lord in his 20s. We're now four generations into this. 
every one of us living for God because someone chose to stand in the middle and fight. Moms and dads, here's what I, how we're going to end this. And Bishop or Pastor Mayo can take it and do whatever he wants to do. But I want you to pray for your children. I want you to pray for your family. There may be some of you standing here today that don't have children that are living for God. They're, they're, not, they're, they're no longer a part of the church. And you're hungering. You're desiring God to do something. Just keep fighting. It's not over yet. I want us to pray for one another right now. Do that, could you? All over this place. Come on, dads. Come on, get down there and fight. Come on, moms, get down there and fight. Come on. Hallelujah. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. There's value in this field. It's worth it. Kids are going to get the Holy Ghost in this field. Cancers are going to be healed in this field. Deliverance is going to happen in this field. Amen. Come on, fight. 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 Hallelujah. It's still worth it. There's value in my field. Come on, some of you can travail right now and push back some things that have been wrestling your family down to the ground. It ain't over yet. There's value in your field. There's blessing coming your way. There's revival coming your way. Value it. Value it. Value it. Value the field. Pray over the field. Travail for the field. There's blessing in the field. There's blessing in the field. It may take a while to grow, but it's coming. It may take a while for fruit to happen, but it's going to happen. Fight, 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 fight. Pray, pray, pray. Get down underneath the surface. Deal with that lust. Deal with that anger. Deal with that pride. I got something worth fighting for. I got something worth fighting for. I got something worth standing my ground for. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. 